It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. It's all brought to you by the New York Lottery. Mr. Fiegel's, no. we've officially played our final game uh, of the 2020-2021 NFL season. Uh, unfortunate, but at least we have one more game to talk about here. <laughs> exactly yeah listen I thought it was great you know it was a good ending to a, a season that was really crazy John as you know and see Jeff I disagree hmm. I was really disappointed by the game I well, thought I, the Chiefs came out and played one of the worst games I've ever seen them played and this is not me taking well, anything I away mean, from Tampa. I, I guess I guess what I meant was it more of like it was great it was good they had a Super Bowl you know what I'm saying like yes it was just a, it was just the end all to a, a season that was not what it was supposed to be the game stunk the game absolutely stunk. It was horrible. <laughs> okay. That, that's what I meant. I, it wasn't that I, I really enjoyed the game, and you know why I enjoyed the game more than anything, but the fact <laughs> is that the game was horrible. In fact, we were at a, we a get-together with some friends of ours, um, and a, there was just a few of us. I left, we left in the middle of the – actually, the end of the third quarter. That's how bad it was. I'm like, let's just go home. I'm tired. Yeah, that, it was. Look, I mean, I don't think there's any other way to, to, to get around it. And again, this isn't me taking credit away from the Bucks. And by the way, Jeff picked the Bucks, so he was all over it. He was right. Was I uh, the only one that picked it? Paul, Lance, and I all picked the Chiefs on Friday uh, show and made fools of ourselves. So <laughs> that okay. I will happily eat crow on that. And Jeff, my big theme going into the show is that into the into that game is that I just didn't think the Buccaneers would be able to control the Chiefs passing attack. My one caveat was the one way they do it is if the defensive line wrecks the game. Mm -hmm. And frankly, in a lot of ways, the defensive line wrecked the game. They did. Uh, they with did. that said, I also want to tip my cap to the Bucks secondary because there were a lot of plays where it looked like Patrick Holmes had a second or two, but he couldn't find the guy open that he right. thought would be open on that particular play. He had to go to his second read, his third read, things of that nature. So I want to give them credit. I wish CBS would have actually showed some decent replays during the game so you could actually see what they were doing defensively. I don't know what that production crew was doing. I thought the replays were – anyway, I don't want to kill CBS. I just didn't think it was a very good TV production of the game. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I just think the Bucks defense and Todd Bowles did a wonderful job. But at the same time, I also just thought the Chiefs – in every yeah. aspect, whether it's penalties, special teams, offense, offensive line, whatever, drop passes, go down the list, Keep they going. just play yeah. poor, poor football. Well, I think it was a, it was, it was stay on the Bucks. The Bucks, they just, they were solid, consistent, and also they went away with their bread and butter, which was they didn't blitz a lot. They just, they really said to themselves, kind of. Uh, what we thought that Spags was going to do on the Kansas City side, what he had done always against Brady, was we're going to rely on our front four to get after the quarterback, and that's what that's what Tampa Bay did. They did. They just said, okay, you know what? We're going to wreak havoc on Patrick Mahomes in this in this dilapidated. And we talked about this, and where I we and I we had you and I had talked about this on Friday about the the tackle position with Remmers. You know, I figured it was going to be a huge, huge part of this game, and it turned out to be. Now, Jason Pierre-Paul didn't have a sack, but you know what? They got pressure up the middle. Well, um, it was even a bigger problem at right tackle, too. Remember, Rimers had that's to right. leave right tackle to the left tackle, and that screwed up the right side of the line. And and we all – I mean, th they, those guys just – they played out of their mind, and I, I feel like the whole defense – the defense won this game, and Tom Brady was able just to be able to do whatever he wanted, um, and just kind of methodically take the take it down the field, you know, and throw and throw touchdowns to two guys. That, they're the first time they've been on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gronkowski gets two, Antonio Brown gets one. I mean, <laughs> think about that. Mike Evans and Godwin—they didn't even play yesterday. Basically, I, I, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, I, I was just sitting there going, oh, "Wow." So, but you know, it's just amazing to me. And, and as much as I do not like Tom Brady because he's of, of the Patriots, I was, I was, I was actually rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought they would win. 
I, I now just know how amazing and, and unbelievable that Tom Brady is and how he goes about doing things. He basically went there and told everybody on the team, you guys want to win a Super Bowl? Then just come and do what I tell yeah, you to do. 100%. <laughs> you know, and, and you could tell after the game he was probably telling all those guys that. He was yeah, like, by the way, the owner basically said that after yeah, he accepted the sure. trophy. Oh, yeah, that's right. He said, you know, we, we just realized we got to go out and get one guy, and see, we brought him in, and that was it, you know? And it was, I think he said something like, get the guy that's already been down the road we're trying to go down, <laughs> yeah, and well, then just follow him. He's been down a long, long road. Um, but he just – and by the way, did you really think that Tom Brady was going to lose a Super Bowl in his home field for a year? I mean – Hey, look, Brady, Brady oh. has lost Super Bowls, but Jeff, to your point – he didn't have to be Superman in this game. No, he didn't because he had that defense. And he I'll only tell you, completed two passes for over 20 yards in the whole game. And I know a lot of us know this name around this region here. And, and Todd Bowles de deserves a tremendous amount of credit for the game plan that he put together yesterday. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I think this is another stepping stone for, for Todd Bowles. I think, you know, a lot of times we've talked about how coaches, you know, the, and, Bill, and Bill Belichick is a prime example of this, John. You know, you get, you get a head coaching job the first time and you stink. And then you go back into being a coordinator and then all of a sudden you get rehired and you learn about what you did and what you didn't do as a head coach before. I think this is a major stepping stone for Coach Bowles. And you know what? If he wants another one, I think he'll get a chance at it next season. Yeah, he might. Now, again, we never know because some guys are just better coordinators than their head coaches. 100%. That happens. And you know what? He might, he might realize that that's where he is in his life, you know? Um, I know that the article that I was reading about this morning, he was like, you know, listen, I'm, I'm down here where it's warm. I can play golf. My kids are here. It's just I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And, you know, he's with a good staff. And, and lo and behold, he's with a hell of a football team. Yeah, no, look, and look, tip, tip the cap. He was just phenomenal, just did an unbelievable job, just a great, great job out of Todd Bowles and that Bucks defense. Big Blue Cook-Off Live is presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. And, of course, Big Blue Cook-Off Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. The archive of this show and all of our podcasts can be found on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and on all your favorite podcast platforms. So, Jeff... Let's touch on the Chiefs here for a moment. We yeah. talked about the offensive line, and look, that that's personnel-based. They lost their two starting tackles to season-ending injuries. That happens. It happens. I'm not mm -hmm. going to kill them for that. And we'll get to this when we talk about what this means for the Giants. When you can't protect, it's hard to play offense. Yeah. But that being said, the punter looked like he had the mm -hmm. yips. I'd, yep. love, I'd love to get your take on I, that. I want, I want to go over that sequence when okay. we can. Do yep. it right now. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, well, well, first of all, um, most a lot of times what happens when you when you drop a snap, I've done it before, I've done it holding, I've done it punting, um, it immediately is in your head. I will tell you that. It, it immediately sticks in your head, and, and it's hard to get it out of there. A lot of times what happens, John, is you're able to, if you got the punt off like he did, then the play's over, right? And you go back to the sideline, and you can think about it a little bit. Well, there was a penalty on that play yesterday. And so now that guy had to come back out immediately. And I was saying to my friends around there, I'm like, that is still in his head. I promise you guys, I, I guarantee you he's thinking about all he can think about is catching the football. And what happens in that situation, you forget how to do what you, you're there to do. Punt! <laughs> and boom! Out of bounds! It's almost like one of those things when you're playing golf, right? And and, and, and Yeah! And, 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 and you're trying to hit the iron on the par three, and you chunk it. It goes in the water. And then you're so concerned about not chunking it when you're hitting your second shot off the tee, you end up like slicing it or hooking it. But you got it over do... the water. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's what happens in that situation. I felt horribly for the guy. But, you know, to your point, field position, as we've talked about it many, many times, and when you have a, an offense like, like Tampa Bay and being able to run the football and be balanced and be able to do play action like they did yesterday, you give them that field position, they're going to they're gonna get points off of, uh, of that type of stuff too. And by the way, Tampa did also get points off their turnovers or their takeaways, which is a big thing, you know, from Lance Meadow, who loves that stat. Lance is the man with that. He's like, I don't care about turnovers or takeaways. It's what you do with them once you get them. And not you know? for nothing, and, and trust me, the last thing I want to do is talk about Lance being right, but the other thing Lance brought up actually two weeks ago, or I guess it was three weeks ago, when the Chiefs played the Bills, mm -hmm. is that he was very concerned about Patrick Mahomes' toe, and I don't think that showed up mm -hmm. in the Bills game. But even from that first run of the game, Jeff, I think it was his first drop back. 
Yeah. And he ended up running for, for a first, first down. down. Yeah, he you could, the ball out. Yep. You could see that his foot wasn't right, and he mm-hmm. wasn't going to be as mobile as he was. And given the fact that they had trouble blocking because of those injuries, like we mentioned, yeah. I think that toe was actually a fairly well, big factor in the game. It, it has to be because there's reports he's going to have surgery on it. So oh, is that true? Wrong. I didn't see that. Yeah, wow. there was reports that he's having surgery after the season. So that is def- there's something wrong. You just don't go to have surgery if it's just for the heck of it, right? There's something wrong. That means there's it, probably a small fracture in there, right? Could be. Could be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that had an effect on him. One thing that the Chiefs could do, they, they did run the football decently. But, you know, when they, got, when they got down and they had to, again, had to try to score points and went to the passing game, it just couldn't hold up. I mean, did you see the stat that, that Patrick Mahomes ran over 500 yards yesterday? <laughs> I know. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah. Oh, oh. You know how they do that a little that you know, the next game's yeah. gen stats mm-hmm. were how many yards he actually, they said wow. it was 500 yards. That's crazy. <laughs> By the way, speaking of which, you know, we always talk about how it's a passing league now, and I absolutely agree with that. But I think yesterday we saw, Jeff, how it hurt the Chiefs that they didn't have a consistent running game. Because mm-hmm. to your point, yeah. Bowles did not blitz. He mm-hmm. did not crowd the line of scrimmage. I think uh, they showed a next-gen stat during the game. I think it might have been the fourth quarter that it was the highest percentage all year that the Bucks aligned with two safeties deep over the course of a game. It was something like, I think, 80% of their snaps, they had two safeties deep. Well, how do you get a team out of playing two safeties deep? You run it. Yeah, and come up. Yeah. the Chiefs, A, weren't able to run it well enough. They finished the game running it, you know, they ran it 17 times for 107 yards. Hilaire was nine rushes, 64 yards. But, But, you know, they didn't stick with it enough. Mm -mm. Well, they couldn't. They were down in the game so much that they had to come back. Yeah, well, they were in the second half, Jeff. But, look, in in, in the first half, they were down. It wasn't that bad. It was 14-3 with six minutes to go in the second quarter, okay? Mm -hmm. And then it was 14-6 right before the half. So it was a one-score game, all right? And in the first half, let me look at the rushing stats okay. here. I'm bringing up the first half stats. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran it four times in the first half. Mm. Yeah. And 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 Damian and and not Damian Darrell Williams ran it one time for two yards. There was no reason you could have run the ball in the first half of that game if you wanted to, and they yeah. chose not to. So I think that was a factor number one. Uh, I and I just think it's something that could have helped them in this game. Well, Tampa Bay has amazing – they have ridiculous linebackers that play the run so well. And by the way, Levante David did a great job on, yes, he did. on Kelsey too. But it does help too, and this is the thing that I brought up to the people I was right. watching the game with. You know, they showed him being very physical with Kelsey off the line and bumping him coming out of his routes and everything. And I'm like, well, guys, he's able to do that because there's somebody over the top. Mm-hmm. If he's that aggressive playing a man-on-man and trying to bump him coming out of his breaks – if Kelsey just runs by him, it's a touchdown. Yeah. But he's able to do that because he has help over the top. He is a heck of a football player. He I'll really is. I mean, the guy, like you said, with the coverage that he had on him all day, he still caught, what was it, 11 passes? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, there's your MVP if they win. I mean, this guy is, like, tearing it apart. Yeah, that, but... that, that was actually Paul and I's prediction on Friday that, that, okay. that Kelsey would be the MVP. Sure. But I, I feel like, you know, with um, – and, and Mahomes, you can't – you just can't say anything bad about him. He tried his best to do whatever. Receivers were dropping well, passes. Jeff, how about I those mean, two ridiculous throws? He's the like one falling I, down, listen, throwing side on oh it. Oh my and god! It's hitting guys in the face. And I was making. It. I was telling my friends. I, I I could not get over that throw. No, and they me were neither. Like, they were all like, "Dude, relax." I'm like, "Wait a second. Do you guys understand what he just did?" <laughs> I know. It looked like he that was a baseball move. That was a turning the double play move that he's did from his baseball days. I'm telling you, he was he all two both his feet were in the air, you know, like he was turning the double play at Yankee Stadium. And then he I had mean, and then he had another one in the fourth quarter. That's unbelievable. Was, I, so uh, I just was you know, the guy is gonna be fun to watch. Um, you know, listen, Tom Brady, he's been to ten Super Bowls, he's he's only won seven, but you know what? He lost three. So I'm just telling you that Patrick Mahomes will learn from this. And I saw his uh, interview today on TV after the game, or and he was just basically, hey, listen, you know what? I, I I was proud of my teammates. Went out there, we just we didn't do enough. They were a better team today, and you know I played as hard as I could, and he did. I thought he played. A, I thought he did as best yeah. he could from what was the circumstances. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't put this loss on Patrick Mahomes. No, you can't. You got to put it on. I would put it on that on that offense of line, the defense for the Saints, the penalties. Uh, Saints. I mean, yeah, well, the Saints. Well, Jeff, there. and that's the thing. I want to get to the penalties. And look, they were consistent throughout the game with the penalties. 
it yeah. was a much tighter game that they called compared to what we saw, I think, in the last couple of games. Sure. And the funny thing I said, I, I always do my, my Monday and Friday hit radio hits up in Albany for Albany affiliate, and I said, guys, the funny thing about it, if they call defensive holding and pass interference as tightly in the NFC Championship game as they did in this game, the Bucks never would have beaten the Packers. Mm-hmm. They would have been flagged that whole game for defensive holding and pass interference yeah. because what they were doing to the Packers receivers was a lot worse than what the Chiefs were doing to the yeah. Bucks receivers. Not no to question. say not, not not to say they weren't penalties, but it just shows that how the way that they were calling the game. Exactly. Yeah, it was the difference. Yeah, they they I thought some of the penalties yesterday were yeah, yeah, you know, could they have been they were, but they I thought they were just a little bit I think they were just they're flag happy a little bit too much. And and here's the thing about this, John, and I think you've been around it enough to know. Um when when these players get they get caught up in this stuff and the honey badger, you know, he he was you could see that he was very, very disgruntled about all the penalties and things that were happening. He was and, a little emotional, Jeff. And it takes, yeah. <laughs> but what happens is it takes you out of your game. And somebody like Tom Brady, who understands that and sees that, I mean, this guy is—he's going to capitalize on that. You know, of course, they had—they had, they had uh, some words on the field. I don't know exactly what happened there, but the fact of the matter is, is that you know, t- when there's a player like Tom Brady, and when he senses he's been around football for so long, senses that type of thing, he's going to attack that. And I think that, you know, just the, the, the Chiefs, their secondary with the penalties and stuff, it, it took them out of their game. It really did. It really did. I agree. And look, they cleaned it up in the second half a little bit, but it killed them in that first half. And then people want to kill Andy Reid, by the way, for, for, for calling those timeouts. I'm sorry. You have that Chief offense and Patrick Mahomes. I'm trying to get the ball back, too. 100%. I don't mind the timeout. How yeah. about Brashad Breland, who, by the way, we've seen him do this a million times when he was with Washington. He's the king of getting beat over the top and giving up big plays. Don't let the guy run behind you. There's 20 <laughs> seconds to go or 40, whatever yeah. it was. Just keep him in front of you. It's the same thing that happened in the NFC Championship game. Guys, this isn't rocket science. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to trust your – guys, this is not trusting your player to be better than Mike Evans. This is not trusting your player to, to play man-to-man coverage on an island. This is simply trusting your player not to be an idiot, okay? Yeah. And yeah. Well, Rashad, he's an idiot yeah. coming in. We knew that. I mean, so. come on. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you – how much fun is it to watch Rob Gronkowski play football? Someone described him as like the human version of a golden retriever, and I thought that was just perfect. <laughs> I love it. That is perfect. He's just so fun to watch because he's just he's just there. He's got the every you check every box with that guy. That dude loves life, man. He, he just does. Did you read about him? He he had mentioned. He said, "Listen, you know, I retired out of retirement." He says, I come, I come, I come down to Tampa. I can go to work in flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt every day. That's exactly how I like to live. This was it. I, I just had so much fun playing here in Florida this year. And he already knows he's coming back. Well, I mean, why not? Yeah, I know. Why not? I mean, listen, for older guys to be able to go somewhere, especially those two guys who spent so much time up in the Northeast with Bill Belichick practicing in the snow and the rain and the sleet and all that stuff, uh, to go back down to Tampa and be able to do what he just said, go to work in flip-flops and shorts every day and be the man, um, and actually, you know, be best friends with the guy that's throwing the football to you. I mean, those two, I just crack up when I see that those little uh, the little Instagram hits that they have where they're both looking at each other and they're giving you that, well, sorry, you know, we're back. You know what t- picture I'm talking about? They've yeah. been doing this picture forever, you know, just like, well, sorry, we're here again. Well, sorry, we're here again. I mean, it's amazing. I just love watching those guys play. It's unbelievable. It, it just, really is. It's, it really, it's it, crazy. It really is. And so, did you see on – I'm sorry. Did you yeah, see ahead. where Bruce Arians has admitted that, you know, they have another coordinator on the field with Tom Brady. So, <laughs> so and it makes his life really easy. Well, yesterday they had the camera on Tom Brady. Did you see where he was yelling about the personnel that was coming in and telling them, no, 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 get back, we're going to run five or whatever it was? He was basically telling the coaches, we're not running that. We're running what I want to run. He basically told one guy that just ran on the field to go back off. (laughs) And that's why I think you have to tip the cap to Bruce Aarons a little bit. And Tony Romo made this point um, when he had called the Chiefs-Bucks game earlier in the year that he was starting to see the Bucks offense change a little bit and incorporate some more of Brady's stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you have to give Arians credit, but some coaches will be stubborn. They're like, no, this is my system. I'm running my system. Now, it would be foolish when you got to like Tom Brady on your on your team. But I think we saw him let Brady take control of the offense a little bit, and that's why it got more consistent over the final couple of months. 
you did see a lot of what he had had done up in New England yeah. with the short passing game. Not yeah, kinda, not with, as much vertical stuff. Yeah, the extension of the the running game with those short little passes that he then they're well designed plays. And by the um, way, can you imagine how good it'll be when they actually get a running back that can catch the ball consistently? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you know what? It's what's what's no surprise with the Tom Brady offense is your little little scat back guy, right? Scotty Miller. That's I mean that's every single every single offense that he's been in, he's got one of those little guys. You know, whether it's Edelman or Welker or Amendola, Amendola, yeah, yeah, all those those little, all those little five foot. And by the way, he has that receiver, and then he also has a James White or a Dion Lewis or one of those guys that can catch balls out of the backfield. Yeah, yeah, he's almost like he. You, you almost see him up in the personnel department looking at you know oh. like their board and say no we're not doing this get this guy off the board move him move this guy over here you know like he's his own Funny. scouting department all right the final thing Jeff I want to bring up before you uh, before we get to the calls mm-hmm. is nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty that's the lessons the Giants can take out of this game sure and to me big time I think it's huge because I think when you look at it this is what 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 you kind of have to worry about right. Rushing the passer and protecting the quarterback. Those are two of the things that were just so important in this game, and we already talked about what happened in the game, but those are two areas where the Giants still have to improve. I know their sack totals were better this year, but I'm not sure I can count on that again. They still don't have that those edge rushers like Barrett, like, like JPP, that can win as consistently as they do off the edge. And as good as Leonard Williams is, he's, he's still not one of those guys necessarily. And the Giants, we don't think we don't know yet that they can protect enough when it becomes a passing situation where you can give Daniel Jones the time he needs to succeed. So uh, that combined with obviously having, I mean, just look at all the playmakers these quarterbacks had at the outside running around. Oh, you have to double team Tyreek Hill. You have to double team Travis Kelsey. Oh, Mike mm-hmm. Evans wins over the top. Oh, this guy wins over the top. That that's a touchdown. Just go, you know, just just go down the list. Yeah. Those are the three things that I think are still most important for the Giants here in order to have success moving forward. Protect the quarterback, rush the passer, and make big plays offensively. Well, if you look at the Giants and you look at kind of – you're right. There's you got to kind of pick your poison and how you want to go. But I will tell you that when you look at the success of these teams, that the Giants doing the Super Bowls that they've won, um, it's come from the defensive side of the football. Okay? And they've had strong, good offensive line play. Um, so – you know, the Giants going forward is where are you going to spend your money? Where are you going to use your draft? And I think that it's proved last night that if you have a defense that can play good football and not have to blitz and be able to get after the quarterback and disrupt things, um, offensively, you don't have to do much. So you're not going to ask Daniel Jones to go out there and throw for 350 yards a game. You just have to manage the game and have and have some playmakers at certain positions. I think what's missing here is that if it, if if Evan Ingram can ever get to the level that everybody wants him to get, he surely can compete and be one of the better tight ends and and fill that need as a quarterback. Whether it's anybody in my in my opinion, Daniel Jones or or whoever in the league, if you have that type of a, a tight end like like Tampa Bay does, they got a couple of them by the way. And then you know at the receiver position. One thing, John, that, that, I, that I thought about this, and it's funny you brought this up because I was thinking about this before we even came on the show today about the Giants and how this you can learn from this, is that the whole season you saw how this Bucks team, they collectively got better and better. They won the last, I think it was seven games of the season, yeah, seven that, or eight. That sounds right. So I feel like, you know, if you look at the Giants and where they're going, anything can happen. You just got to get that chemistry, and you got to be able to have one side of the football really – do good things for you. And I think that the Giants, if you look at the way that this game was played yesterday, it's a good roadmap to, to try to put your, you know, understand where you got to go and look at what they did. I think the Giants can, can do that. But I think most importantly to me is aside from a wide receiver, as we talk about, yeah, they could use a big play wide receiver. They really could. Um, they could use another cornerback. But I think when you look at the, what happened last night in that game, I think from a need standpoint, and I, I agree with you, where Leonard Williams just isn't there yet to be in that class of a Shaq Barrett and you know a JPP and those types, you got to have a guy that can put pressure on that quarterback consistently. I mean, Shaq Barrett is a beast. What? How many sacks did he have this year against the Giants? Was it four or five? Remember? Well, well, that was last year when he had the monster game against the Giants. That's what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. but a guy like that who can just r- disrupt a game 
I mean, that to me, that's, that would be really nice to have. So we'll see what happens going forward here. We're going to get close to that because free agency is starting soon. Tags are coming out. We're going to know a little bit more of the landscape of it soon. Yeah, no question about it, Jeff. Just want to remind everybody that limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, and pre-sales and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And Jeff, there's a little bit of news out there. Ian Rappaport reporting a little bit earlier today. Uh, the Vikings promoted Clint Kubiak, the offensive coordinator. Of course, that means that Tyke Tobert did not get that job. Mm-hmm. But Rappaport did report that he was very impressive in the interview process, and it could have put him on the radar for OC interviews next year. Okay. Ian Rappaport also reporting, again, the Giants have not confirmed this, but this is just an Ian Rappaport report, that the Giants are going to hire uh, former Louisiana Raging Cajuns, OC slash offensive line coach Rob Sale as a new offensive line coach. He's kind of bounced around at a couple different schools. He was at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. He was at Georgia for a year. Mm-hmm. His connecting to Joe Judge. Um, he was a strength and conditioning coach there and an offensive analyst at Alabama in 2007 under Nick Saban. And he has uh, been, uh, since then, he has been at Louisiana there as their offensive line coach. So just something to keep in mind there. And also was their um, OC from 2018 to 2019 at Louisiana. So again, that's there. The Giants have not confirmed that. So we can't do a ton on that until the Giants do give us that confirmation, but wanted to put that Ian Rappaport. Well, it sounds like they, you know, they looks like they've, you know, they hired uh, Jeremy Pruitt. So that that was a vacancy on the defensive side of the football. And now they had a vacancy at the offensive line. They interviewed, I remember they interviewed uh, Ben Wilkerson and also Mike Devlin, a former teammate of mine. Uh, back in my Arizona Cardinals days. I do remember that, by the way, John. All of that uh, according to reports, of course. The Giants yep. don't make those interviews public. So uh, according to those reports, yes. Mm-hmm. And so you know, now it looks like they've got their staff uh, put together and going to start moving forward. Getting Hey, it's, it's all – everybody's 0-0 right now. <laughs> start over, baby. Let's go. All right, let's get to it. 973-667-1960. Of course, since I'm hosting, we do not have a call screener. So if you're the one that's hearing us on the phone, you're the caller that's up. So I'm going to say, hey, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? And then it's going to be your turn to talk. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Scott from New Mexico. Scott, what's up? Scotty, how are you? As you recall, John, on Friday I was on with you guys, and I told you never bet against Tom Brady. And obviously that came to fruition. Well, Scott, your call should have been never bet against Todd Bowles. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why I, I feel this way. Troubles did call a great game. But there's one thing that nobody really ever talks about when they talk about players. Uh, forget the greatness of the individual. But what he does to inspire other players to play greater, not even talking just on offense, but on defense. If you listen to some of the interviews on the defensive side, they said, that, you know, they realized that Tom Brady inspired them as well, and they may have played beyond the X's and O's. So that's what he brings to a team. And one of the things I thought that was interesting, two of the players, forgetting Gronkowski just for a second, Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette, nobody wanted. He goes to Tampa Bay, and they both play prominent roles in, in that win. Yeah, I mean, and Antonio Brown had one catch. I think prominent's a little strong. No, I think he had two catches. Oh, oh I'm, ooh, I'm sorry. Including the touchdown <laughs> catch. But he, but he caught a ball for a touchdown. Against, and, and by uh, the way, there's a reason nobody wanted Antonio Brown, and, yeah. and for good reason off the field, by the way. Right. I understand the difficulties he had, but I'm just showing you how No, 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 Scott, Scott, no, let's call on. I don't want to downplay it. Let's not call it okay. difficulties he's had, the horrible things that he's done. Yeah. Let's right. put it that way. Yeah, the guy had okay. a pretty good rap sheet. <laughs> I agree, but, uh, but what I'm saying is that one player can inspire other players to play above the X's and O's. And that's why I thought Tom Brady coming to Tampa Bay and what he did. Don't you think, though, Patrick Mahomes um, inspires people to play above the X's and O's? I do. And just from some of the he made, there's nobody that can throw the ball like he does uh, in the NFL. Uh, That throw he made basically on his rear end. I know, but Scott, I think think you're taking credit away from the Bucs defense and Todd Bowles by saying Tom Brady inspired them to play well. I don't want to do that. Well, the one thing that you guys didn't mention is the great linebacker play. You talked about the front four. Which we talked about Levante right? David. Yeah, I said I, I said well, those well, linebackers. Uh, I did. They I had as much that. to do with that 
great Todd Bowles defense as the front four did, and watching them play was kind of an inspiration also because I don't think I've seen them play better. So when you win a game, it's not just one individual, but what I was really talking about is how one player can inspire other players to play better than they normally do. And that was really the only point I was really trying well, to Well, you know, it's a good point. Uh, it, it's, it's there. And you know who else? You know what else is a situation that can happen to? Um, sure. Is a coach. A coach is yes. the same way. I look at Tom Coughlin, how he came in and inspired a lot of players like, like Michael Strahan. He did not believe in, in Tom Coughlin until he really turned things around, and look what happened to him. Well, Jeff, I, mean, I think you'd be the better person to answer this than, than, than Scott or I. Have you been in a situation where an individual player on the team really did inspire the whole team to play better? Um, never, not a player, no. No, I haven't. But, but I haven't been around – but I haven't been what around a player like night? Tom Brady, who's won seven Super Bowls. You are you are on Reggie White's team, though. But I mean, he was kind of—I was young at that point. And the other thing too is that Reggie wasn't that type of leader. Okay. You know, I think he was a guy that just really was quiet. He was a very quiet guy. But um, I was more inspired by coaching than I was to, a, a player in the locker room. That's just me. What about Lawrence Taylor on the Giants? What, didn't he inspire players to play better than? And they had great players, sure. no doubt, to try and sit in, 80, in 85 and 85. I, I'm not saying that, they're, that, that you're wrong at all. Okay. I'm just saying that I, I think that I'm making the comparison. You can have coaches do the same thing. Um, and I, I think that I think Tom Brady inspires a lot of people because, you know what, he comes, he's so successful. Why Correct. wouldn't you believe him when he tells you we're going to win exactly. this thing? <laughs> and that's <laughs> you know? really the point I'm making, actually. Yeah. But I want to make a, one parallel to the Giants, and then I'll let you take some more calls. Sure. Uh, that's what I'm looking for in the Giants organization. I'm looking for a singular or maybe two players that did what Michael Strahan did, uh, that can bring the team together and really inspire them to play better. Who do you think that might be, or are they still waiting for that player to come? Uh, and I'll take your answers off the air. Guys. Thank you, Scott. Okay. You want to go, John? Uh, I don't really believe in that, so I'll, I'll let you answer. <laughs> okay. No, I just don't. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't no. think it's like, oh, man. Well, Look okay. at this guy. I'm now going to be better at my job because yeah, this guy's here. I, I, I don't, get I don't what buy you're saying. I, 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 I know. I get what you're saying. I think collectively, um, and this is where I think where the word culture comes in. I think this is where character and culture come into it, whether it's one player, two players, or, or maybe one player at each one of those position groups that can take the leadership and, and change the culture of it. Because I will tell you, you know, we hear so much about that these days, and, and you and I have been around the organization long enough to know that the culture before a few years ago here was not – it wasn't where it was supposed to be. Well, Jeff, I agree with that, but I don't th- – I, w- I wouldn't consider that inspiration. I would consider that being, you know, helping well, a player be better at his job because he works harder or because he watches film better. You know what I mean? I, I don't – can like, inspiration is kind of like that nebulous, oh – I feel better inside, and I'm more excited, so I'm going to play better. Well, it's the, wrong, it's the wrong word. Right. It's the wrong word, because I think if we had another word, it would mean the same. Um, whatever, whatever, that, you know, whatever the word is, a cinema, what, I, it, it's, it's the wrong word, inspiration. It's, it's, it's motivation. It's leadership that gets these other guys to play better, and I, I certainly agree that that does happen. Um, because I look at I look at a guy like um, Michael Strahan. I know he motivated Osi and Tuck and those younger guys, because he motivated them. Because he told them you need to play better. He was in their faces. He was doing those types of things, which made them play better. Well, right. I like I believe that the Bucks learned from Brady's work ethic and his approach, and that helped them become a better team because they saw what it took to be a champion. That yeah. I'll yeah. that that I buy. Like I believe that okay. Logan Ryan's arrival in the Giants secondary this year, yes. and his intelligence, and he you know watch extra film with them, introduce new ways of doing things that made them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe in that. Yeah, but that's getting better through hard work. That's not inspiration to mm-hmm. me. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah, agree absolutely. And that it happens. And I think you make a great point with Logan Ryan. Uh, he's a guy that can you know can basically if you want to use the word inspire, but he can inspire some of those younger players to, to do things. But to me, it's more all about process. It's a guy that's been there before and that people can respect. I think all those guys in that team respect Logan Ryan for his, you know, his Super Bowl rings, mm-hmm. his experience, and by the way, his knowledge and his work ethic. So those are the types of things that inspire other players to be like them because they understand that I guess this is what I got to do to be successful. And it's something that comes from, I think, to your point, Jeff, the 
culture, and I hate that because that's a cliche word too. Sure. But, you know. Environment. That's a good one. The environment that the coaching staff and the organization installs Mm -hmm. where, you know, players are – understand the importance of putting in the extra hours, putting in the extra film study, putting in the extra work. And if that's there, then the players can, you know, build on that and work off of that. But that's not going to happen if that's not part of what's already there, independent of the players. You know what I'm saying? I th- I think it's – you know that coaches work hard and put the time in. That's just their DNA, right? right. They have to. Mm-hmm. So what I think is – I think the coaches want to be able to have players in the locker room, the culture, if you will. Carry that message to that the will, players. Exactly. Right? That mm-hmm. will relay the work ethic and what we're trying to – we're all trying to be on the same page here. Okay, so if you have one position group that maybe has a group of guys that just are a little bit lazy and there isn't really one of those guys that is, is relaying that message, that one position group, whether it's a big one or a, lo- a small one, the bigger one would be like the defensive backs because there's usually 10 or more of them. That could bring down the whole defense. Yeah, sure can. So I feel like that it's the, the relaying of information and having your leaders at each one of those position groups to be able to relay the message that, they're, that they know that the coaches are saying. And then they kind of take it into, into player talk. There's coach talk and there's player talk. So I think you kind of have a mix of both those. And then if you can create that type of environment in your locker room, then everybody's on the same page, you will be successful. There are people in this world that do not believe people unless it, it, it's real. You show me, show me the money, okay? Show me that what you've done works. Well, Logan Ryan, I'm, I'm Logan Ryan. I'm showing you what I've done worked. I got a couple Super Bowl rings, okay? I got a Super Bowl ring here, there, there, whatever it is. So it's a, a matter of getting those guys at those positions. The Giants don't have a lot of those guys. They really don't. You think about who's won Super Bowls on this team. There isn't a lot. Well, it's a very young team, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got to try to find, you know, those leaders. Now, another thing, too, John, that we look at is all of the due diligence is done in the draft. This is all part of it, too. You want to be able to have guys that are going to be receptive to learning and, and understanding and being able to change if they, you know, or where they come from. And I think the Giants are, are an organization today that if you look at where these guys are coming from, they're coming from really good schools, good programs, and that makes a difference. 973-667-1960. Again, we only have one line, so if you're trying to get in and it's busy, just keep trying. You'll get through. Because we're busy. Of course. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a branded with a Giants-branded debit card. Security features and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. Let's go back to the phones. Call you're on the air. What is your name and where are you calling from? Hey guys, it's Charlie from Portland. Charlie How from Portland. Doing? Good. How are you, Charlie? <laughs> Maine. Maine, that is. Hey, uh, I don't want to talk about the game. I think this is probably the first uh, Super Bowl Brady has, and maybe he's one that they haven't cheated in. So I'll pass on the game. <laughs> but I, I, I want to talk about inspiring. Let me put it this way, John, to you. <clears throat> now, if you're, you know. You're not going to sell me on this, Charlie, but you could try. All right. Now, <laughs> the foot, football is a very emotional game. Most sports is. But just for an example, John, if you're down in the dumps, you're not feeling that well, when there's somebody that comes around who is light, who is up, who is happy, who is, you know, enthusiastic, it can change your mood. It can lift you. It can lift you out of what you were in and bring you to another place like I do every time I call. So do you think Patrick Mahomes (laughs) is not a happy-go-lucky guy that inspires his teammates and that's why the Bucs beat the Chiefs? No, It's it's garbage. No, it doesn't make any sense. No, no, what I'm saying is is that a person, that's what leadership is. A person can inspire, uplift, change your emotion and change your mood to, in, in it, for example, in football, can ha- actually have an example to make you play better. Charlie, Col- Charlie do you really think that I, I have a fight with my wife at home and I'm in a bad yeah. mood going to work and Jeff Beagles <laughs> yeah. walks in because he's smiling, I'm in a better mood all of a sudden? 
get the heck out of here. <laughs> no, oh, I do have that effect on people, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right, John. The Maybe I did is, make though, you feel better. I hope you didn't fight with your wife all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you do end up talking to somebody that might lighten your mood up and you feel better about it, and then you change your mood because so, of it. But what I'm saying is, so basically, you, so, so basically, so basically can, you think Tom Brady has like a, a like like a couch in his office, and he just invites players in to <laughs> to try to get things off their chest to make them feel better about themselves. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, what I think is just like what Jeff was saying. When you see somebody who's been so successful at his craft and what he does, automatically it's going to change your mood. Saying, look, this guy can win. He's done it. This guy's a, above the X's and O's. This guy, you know, whatever. And that's going to inspire you to say, okay. I mean, for example, if you're with a Giants team that's 5-11, and 4-12, and 12, and you're sitting there going, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl, right? Or, or you know, remember when we had those defenses, you know, every yeah, but time. Charlie, that's a very low away? baseline. Do you think any of the last eight teams remaining in the playoffs weren't inspired by the play of their quarterbacks? Whether well, it's Lamar inspired. Jackson or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, go 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 down the list. All these that is such like a low level baseline of like every good team has that. Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. And and I'm not saying that, you know, Brady, you know, uh that's why they you know, totally won, but I'm just saying that it can make it have an effect on a team. Just like just for a certain just an example. You watch a football game and some guy makes this incredible play. You know, interception. All of a sudden, the whole team is jacked. All of a sudden, the momentum totally shifts. What is that about? That's the same thing we're talking about, John. That's the same emotion. Well, it's the well, same well, thing. Well, Charlie, there are a lot of people that argue momentum doesn't exist either. Um, well, that's but, Lance. But. Well, <laughs> Coach Judge. No, Joe Judge has, has told you that, too. He that's doesn't believe correct. in momentum. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, well, he's crazy. I, I disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 I've told you this before. I disagree in that because I feel like football is such a huge momentum sport. Yeah, it, it, things it, can change. It no, but guys, here, he, here's my point. Do you know what breeds the stuff you're talking about? Winning. If Tom yeah. Brady showed up to the Bucks and they started two and eight, do you think people would still be sitting there saying, "Oh, we have we have Tom. I'm in a great mood because Tom Brady's here." No, you're two and eight. And people are gonna be mad because you're two and eight. Do you know why they get all excited because Tom Brady's there? Because you're winning. And when you win, that's how you get that feeling. That's how you get better because you're winning football games. <laughs> well, that's the point, John. Is winning, yeah, but that's right? not inspiration. That's winning. Sure it is. No, no it's not. The winning causes win. the no. The winning causes the inspiration. The inspiration doesn't cause the winning. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a chicken and the egg, John. Yes. Which well, it's first. important. Causation is important. <laughs> Yeah, and also effect, and the, sometimes the effect is the start of the causation. I'm telling you, it's no, the but Tom, the egg, but, man. no, but he, Tom Brady. Do you know why Tom Brady wins a lot of games, which <laughs> inspires players? It's because he's really good. Doug Flutie's yeah. inspiring. He's a five eight little guy that, that no one thought could do anything. He's all uplifting da, 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 and all that fun stuff. But you know what? He's not as good as Tom Brady. Nobody is. I know, but. But it inspired his. Te- it still inspired the people around him. When when uh, when when he was in a game, Flutie was in a game. Remember Buffalo? The whole team was inspired because they knew this guy was relentless, and somehow he would win in the end. Yes, but how and many games the did they win? Game. They didn't win a playoff game with him. Well, they went to the playoffs, but they pulled them, which they shouldn't have, and, and you know, that's another story we'll have to get You know get how into. inspiring but, it was when the when the quarterback for the Broncos this year had to start a game and he hadn't started since high school? That was a really inspiring story. Well, guess what? After that was the a game, scary story. <laughs> after they gained 25 yards of offense after over four quarters, nobody no wasn't much that inspired anymore. <laughs> but, John, you cannot say that a person or in any form of life can give you inspiration and can give you, you know, maybe for you, maybe for a lot of people it's money. You know, maybe, you know, your boss gives you this big bonus. All of a sudden you're inspired, man, and you're doing better work, at least for a week. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it, 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 human beings are emotional beings. You're beings of feeling. And, and sports is feeling. Mm-hmm. Just like when... <clears throat> 
you know, yeah, Jeff but can feelings tell you that. don't last, Charlie. They have to be reinforced by facts on the ground. I know, I know. I, I'm saying you got to do the work too, and you can't just have a feeling. But that feeling elevates you beyond. You know, when players, I've had this experience, not very often, but when you when you're just in the zone, you know, because your mind is not there. You're All right, so Charlie, how about flow. this, Charlie? Okay. I'm going to go this way. So Eli Manning was an inspiring player. Is that correct? Do you agree with that? Did Eli, yes. Did Eli, so Eli Manning was very inspiring from 2006 to 2012. But then after that, he didn't inspire anybody anymore. Then then he the was inspiration was all gone. Oh, well, no, but the team no. didn't win any games, so he's not inspiring he was anymore. still inspiring. It was still inspiring. It's just you had bad players around well, him. That, Everybody thank dropped, you. dropped all the That's Every- my point, Charlie. The inspiration stuff doesn't mean a damn thing if Unless you're not you're good. good. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, they might have not won any games with Eli, and at least oh, they won five. <laughs> thank you, Charlie. <laughs> okay. Right. Have a good one. Take care. So, Jeff, what do you land on this? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think the word is, is wrong. I think that it's, that's the problem because inspiration has a meaning that we're, it's kind of, listen, I, I understand what Charlie's saying. I do agree with him to a point that there are some people that are motivated would be more the word that I would use that, you know, that there's guys that are on the team that motivate them. Um, inspiration to me is more of a, I don't know, more of a Zen word. No, like I, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I agree. I agree in momentum. I agree in inspiration. I agree in motivation. I agree in all that stuff. Um, it just depends on, like he said, human beings are all different. People, you know, they beat to different drums. Some people are not motivated or inspired by anybody other than maybe reading, reading some stupid book that they have or something. Yeah, it's, just, I just, it's different ways to get inspired. Right. And, and sometimes, sometimes there are people that will, will see other players like a Tom Brady that will get, or, or Eli Manning and will get inspired about that. But there's some players that will be like, he doesn't inspire me. I, I, I basically have to inspire myself, well, you know? But my, but my point is, once you get to the highest level of the game, all right, and you have, like, your final eight teams remaining, and the quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen sure. and Aaron Rodgers sure. and Drew Brees and, you know, all these guys, Patrick Mahomes, all these teams are inspired by those guys. You know, that there's, there's a difference there. Like, and you don't also, think the Packers have just as much faith in Aaron Rodgers as the Bucks did in Tom Brady? Of course they did. But it, it's not all about, you know, it, it, when those eight teams are there, they're there for a reason because there's other individuals on the team that inspire individuals, if you will, other than the quarterback. Right, of course. Uh, you know what I mean? There might be other players that, in, that are in, doing the inspirational stuff. But, you know, at that point, those, it's just, I tell you, if you if you're a good player, you you're looking for ways to improve your game every single day that you're there because you know the game will pass you up. And so whatever inspires you to get better, then do it. And if it's a guy like Tom Brady who is is basically uh, an anomaly, there is nobody else that can inspire like Tom Brady because there has never been anybody like him. So if that's that's the guy you want to look after, great. If it makes you play better, great, but it's not everything. It's not right. Like for example, I, I do. I think Tom Brady, his presence gave the Bucks, you know, more and his history. Sure, gave the Bucks some sure. more confidence. Sure, but you know that that goes away real quick if Tom Brady throws an interception in the first quarter and the Chiefs go up by two touchdowns. You know what I mean? That that's could, all I'm saying. It could be inspiring knowing that Tom Brady is going to be with the Bucks for the 2020 season at the beginning. Everybody was inspired by that because, you know what, everybody knew that he had something to prove that, you know, it wasn't Bill Belichick, it was him, you know. So I think that that could be inspiring. But but to your point, if all of a sudden they're two and eight, where does that inspiration go? It's it's not. It's just it's all about winning. And, and anybody can inspire if they're winning all the time, you know. So I don't know. It's just a, it's an in-depth position or in-depth conversation. And- I think that people I think that people see differently. Uh, like Charlie, and that's the great thing about our show. Right, we, of course, and that's you know? fine. But I will yeah. say this, too. The word inspiring, to your point, has a very zen feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Is it very inspiring when you make a mistake and Tom Brady is literally berating you on the <laughs> sideline because you screwed something up because you got a mental assignment? Because trust me, he does that. Like, well, if you mess up, Tom Brady will let you know about it. Is that inspiring to get chewed out? 
<laughs> by Tom Brady when you screw up. I would argue that's leadership. I would argue that's him setting an example to make you be, uh, to motivate you to, to work harder. But I don't consider that inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I guess to your point, I think I, I think maybe we're arguing semantics here. Yeah, exactly. More than anything else. Yeah. But eh, whatever. But, but you know, like you. I have at my the... Lance Meadow hat on today, apparently, which was which was <laughs> oh, not Lance, my point. But... Lance would go hours on this discussion. Oh. <laughs> the, the one thing about yelling, is, you know, you look at the NFC Championship game and the interception that Tom Brady threw to Mike Evans. Mike Evans was supposed to, he had a sight adjustment on a route that he that he did not do the right thing, and and Brady threw an interception, and. You know that coming off the field, he was he was basically telling him, dude, you know, what are you doing? I just threw an interception. That's your fault because you didn't see the side <laughs> adjustment. You know, it's not my fault. I, I threw the ball there. I'm the GOAT. I'm so. Tom freaking Brady. <laughs> I'm Tom freaking Brady. Oh. Only uh, one more week, probably, we have to start listening to Tom Brady stuff. After that, it's over. We're not going to listen to him about that anymore. So. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs in the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. All right, let's go back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Call you on the line. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, this is Scott over in Olympia, Washington. How you hey, guys doing? Hey, Scott, what's going on, man? Hi, Scott. Oh, not too much. I'm catching the show late, so forgive me if I if you guys touch base on. But I had two points, and I never get in, so I snuck out on uh on a little break at lunch uh here at work. Yeah, so, go for it. Uh, first point, Super Bowl. Uh, I want to say I've been calling it for 15 years that it's been Tom Brady. It has not been Bill Belichick, mm. and although he'll go down as one of the best coaches ever. I can almost put put anything that he'll never win another Super Bowl. That mm-hmm. 100%, I mean, he was a losing coach before Brady, and he, this year, one year removed, he's a losing coach. He didn't make the playoffs, which he's done in 19 years with Tom Brady. So, well, Scott, in, in, there, in fairness, Brady's first Super Bowl there, that was all about their defense, which was all about Belichick. I it mean, was. let's be honest. Yeah, they had the dream team, the dynasty there. But, I mean, it was still – it, it goes to the point. It's the players. It's not necessarily the coach. Now, yes, the coach is a big factor of putting the players in the right spot and having the right schemes, which, sure, Bill Belichick can do. He's a good coach. But everyone just, you know, anoints him as this legend. I'm like, there's no way. Once, once Brady's gone, I've been waiting for this moment. The whole time for, for Brady and him to depart, I thought it was retirement. I didn't think that it was stupid enough to let the best quarterback in NFL history go, but whatever. Now, in uh, fairness, though, Scott, in fairness, though, Scott, don't you think the Patriots overachieved this year, given the talent on their roster at 7-9? and nine? Uh, I think they did. I don't know. Not, I mean, not in the NFC East, though. I mean, you're still playing an up-and-coming Miami. You're playing the Bills the went 13-3, and three and the Dolphins went 10-6. and six. Yeah, I guess they – yeah, but, I mean, that's the point was Tom Brady's not kicking their butt twice every single time, you know? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you look at – you yeah. look at, I mean, how many how many home losses has New England had this year versus the 19 years with Tom Brady? They yeah, had least... more home losses one year than they ever had with Tom Brady. I mean, that the, the, the writing's on the wall right there. Uh, that the man doesn't lose at home, and he doesn't lose in the playoffs. Hey, look, I mean, Scott, trust me. I am not trying to take credit away from Tom Brady. He's awesome. He's excellent. I'm not trying to do that. But just remember this, too. Last year with Tom Brady, the Bills went, the uh, the Patriots, you know, they went 12-4. and four. Right, yeah, yeah, fair point. 12-4 right. and, yeah, and yeah, the playoffs, fair. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. So so my second point, once again, that was just the, the one thing I've been, I, you couldn't say out loud for the last 15 years because there's no proof, and there never would have been proof until this day. So, I mean, that was just... One one sidebar, but I did want to look forward and get your guys' take. So everyone's talking, you know, offense, weapons, this, draft. So I had, I had a hot take for you guys. And, you know, obviously, hypothetically speaking, uh, Kyle Pitts, I love him. If he mm-hmm. falls, I mean, it's a no-brainer. You have to take him. I don't care who's left on the board. I don't care if no receivers went off. And it's Kyle Pitts versus Jamar Chase versus Adam uh, Smith or Devontae. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter. you got to take Waddle Kyle, too. I think. Yeah. Now, if, if you're picking, if you're it, picking now, pits in that first round, are you thinking receiver then in the second round? Or are you doubling up yes, on me, Scott? 100%, 100%, because I was looking at the numbers. The last 10 years, there's been seven receivers taken, only two out of 10 years. The average is, what, four, maybe five? So you're telling me you can get Kyle Pitts at 6'6", a ball hog that can play outside, play, I mean, I wish Paul was on, right? He'd tell me, I mean, throw it up to him, right? I mean, he has the <laughs> skills to do it. He's not just the tall guy, you know, and then Paul tried to make that point. I don't just want a tall guy. I want a contested catch guy, which he is. 
But then to go back and tell me you can get a top 10 wide receiver at 43 and almost guaranteed to still have a top 10 talent at wide receiver, I would double up. And then you got Saquon, you got Kyle, you got this this other guy coming out, you got Shepard, you got Ingram on a one-year deal. It, it, it puts the fire to him. You know, it's either produce or get out, you know. And I'm not a fan of cutting him, but I'm also not a fan of paying him next year either. So I think it, it gives us a full package and it gives every weapon around Daniel Jones because if he can't do it with it with that package, then I think we have another decision to make next year, and it's, it's going to help us evaluate that. I well, would not. Ha- ha- I, I would not have a problem with that strategy, Jeff. How about mm-hmm. you? I wouldn't because of the way that the defense played this year. I, I feel like the defense um, is going to get better. Um, they were pretty good this year. We didn't think they were going to be, but they were. And I think that you know the defense, the offense needs a lot of work. The offense needs a lot of work. When you look at the rankings and all the all the categories where this Giants offense was last year, I would not argue with you with your philosophy at all, really, because awesome, I think yeah. because I th- I do believe there's value in that second forty third pick to get one of these receivers that we're talking about. And if you just look, I told John when I when him and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, you go back and look at last year's draft and go look at the wide receivers that were taken after maybe the 32nd pick in the NFL draft last year. Plenty, plenty of playmakers in, in that in those numbers. And the Giants can go and yeah, get one at 43. And supposedly it's just as good, if not mm-hmm. a better draft class mm-hmm. for wide receivers. So yeah. I mean, in my head, it's a no-brainer. I think we save our money in free agency. We, we don't take the splash on a, on a wide receiver. We sign uh, Leonard Williams. We sign Dalvin Tomlinson. We ride with the defense like we had, to your point, Jeff. They're looking good. They're looking even better in December. So I'm hoping a whole offseason, uh, same coaching staff, most the same team, most the same key names coming back. Let's, let's get some dynamite on offense and see what these boys have. All right, hey, guys, I'll take it off the air with you. Hey, sure. thank you, Scott. Thanks for joining us on your break. You know, defensively, John, quickly, that, that you know, you got X-Men coming back. You've got Carter coming back from injuries from last year. We're hoping that those guys can answer some questions for you because I will tell you that I, 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 need, I need some pressure. I need some pressure. I need, I need some pressure on that quarterback, and we're going to have to find it. We really do because I think that's one thing that's missing for that defense is the consistent pressure on the quarterback. Now, they got it last year. They got it pretty good, and they did it in different ways that Patrick Graham was able to, to dial up different things each week. But I think it would just make him his job a lot easier if you had that one consistent guy that you can count on week in and week out that's going to get pressure on that quarterback. I don't know who it is yet. All right, we got one more caller coming in. I want to try to squeeze him in before you say goodbye. Cole, you got about two minutes or so. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Bruce in Albany. Hey, Bruce, what's up? Hi, Bruce. Hi, uh, let's work backwards. Sure. It, Sports psychology. When you expect to win, it's a big factor. Usually you do. And when you got a guy on your team, I know you're sports guys, if you ever had a guy, i say, was by far the best hitter in the league, and he shows up for the game, you didn't think he was coming, but he shows up and says, oh, my God, we're going to win this game. Why? Because you're champions there. So that is inspirational in itself because – he raises the whole team's expectations. But I'm not going to be a better hitter because this guy's hitting three batters right. before me. Do you do you think when a team has a great running back, the the, the blockers try to block better because they no, know Saquon Barkley? No, I don't. Oh, I, I, no, I, I disagree. I mean, well, so you know what? Then I don't want that guy on my team because you should have pride in what you do, and some other dude being there shouldn't make you play harder. When you're down by 30, and you got no chance of winning. You'd have all the pride you want. No, 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 no. But, no but, when winning's in sight, when that reward is in well, sight, uh, you're going to play harder. No, Bruce. Of, of course you're playing. You're play of harder. course you're playing harder in a close game than if you're down by thirty in the fourth quarter. That's true. But it's zero zero in the first quarter. I don't care who's playing next to you. You better be playing one hundred percent of what you can do. I don't care who else is on the field with you. Do you think right, I show up? I don't want to be the guy that missed that block. That Walter Payton didn't get the touchdown because I missed my block and looked like a fool. I'm not going. I'm going to be playing at the top of my game. I'm going to have my concentration. But that being said, let's not continue down that. I don't have much time. I want to say this: you had the best quarterback in football. And he couldn't score a touchdown with a, with a bad offensive That's line. A great point. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is, I would say for the Giants, if they're going to play at that level, they're going to need a better offensive line. I don't know. Maybe some receivers will work out or this or that, but they still got to be build that line because that's the level they have to play at. I agree with they're that too. To beat mm-hmm. teams like that. So, yep. 
That's, and that's why Dave Gettleman gets paid the big bucks to make the decisions and put Thank some you, sort some sort of a game plan together and put the where is the importance behind their ideas, right? Is it is it we don't know. We don't know. Maybe maybe it is that they 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 get a chance at one of the blue chip tackles or guards in the in the draft this year and they at the 11th pick they get they go offensive line. I mean, we've ta- we're going to have this discussion for for months now before it happens. Well, it's kind of all we have left at this point. <laughs> I know. And by the way, they might push the draft back, so we might have a little bit more time to do I that, mean, too. Basically, Jeff, we have about three months. Three months. Give or yeah. take. About so. about 14 weeks, yeah. give or take, in order to in order to figure all this out. And I'll throw two things out there. One, I think Bruce is absolutely right about the O-line. Uh, you can add mm-hmm. all these weapons. The offensive line's got to get better, whether it's, to your point, adding somebody mm-hmm. or the guys on the team that are young and improving just continuing to get better. Well, real quickly, and I mean, they added a new offensive line coach. Let's just see what he what he brings to that, to that to the table to to try to improve the play of the guys that are here. So you know, obviously they they saw a need there. The coaches, the coach um, judge did, you know, obviously with Colombo and then with Gouge, he he felt that we got to get somebody else in here that I I, that I think can re can. can can build this offensive lineup to, to where they need to be. That, of course, according to Ian Rappaport's report. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, thank you. No problem. <laughs> and the other thing I'll throw out there, Jeff, just as a, as, a, as a basic strategy point, going back to Scott's call, because I thought he, I thought he mm-hmm. made a good point. Do you ever spend big money on a wide receiver in free agency again? Seeing never. how many of these wide receivers are always no. come out in college every year. And again, you're, never, you're not going to have a class like last year and this year every year. But the way these offenses now in college, it's like a factory. I had Antonio Pierce on the huddle last week, and I asked him, AP, i got to ask you something. These last two drafts, all you have is an endless string of 5'10 guys coming out that you can't cover and are fast. He goes, John, when, I, John, when, when we go recruiting, this is his quote, 5'10 guys that are fast, they're a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why would you ever go out and spend big money in frenzy on a wide receiver then? Yeah. Why? Uh, well, two, I wouldn't for two reasons. Number one, I, I don't want the pain. I don't want the diva. I don't want that guy. And the other thing is that I don't want the money. I, I, I need to save the money. I'd rather find my guy, like you just said, in the draft, get him on a, a three- or five-year deal, whatever it is, and, and, and I'll be able to, to survive with the, with the cap with him. Because you know, and I'm a big believer in this, I think people know that you build through the draft. Because not only do you have to, because of the way that the economics of the game are these days, look at where these salaries are going for veterans. Quarterbacks are making thirty million dollars a year. Oh, no, 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 forty, 40 million, 40. forty million. So that's just the tip. <laughs> that's the top. But now we're talking about, you know, we're talking about defensive linemen and wide receivers. All these guys, and once they make it, they're, they're gonna, twenty. They're twenty. They're, so what do I do? I got to go find myself a really good guy in college and pay him what what they, you know, he's slotted for, and then let him go bust the bank somewhere else yeah. unless we can. Yeah, to me, I, Jeff, you gotta go. You spend the money in frenzy on the positions that are hard to find, right? And how often do we have strong offensive tackle drafts? Not very often. So you know what? Go out there, you pay our offensive tackle. How often do we have five or six really good edge rushers coming out in the draft? Mm-hmm. Not very often. Go out there, pay your edge rusher. How many times do we have cornerbacks going in the top ten or top fifteen? Not that often. And frankly, young cornerbacks don't play very well. Veteran cornerbacks do. Go out there, pay your cornerbacks. But like something like wide receiver, they're all over the place now. They just are. Hey, wait till you see this offseason with the quarterbacks. It's already started. I know it has. It's going to be a turnstile. And, you know, we're going to follow it every day. Um, But I I just, you know, with the cap being at, you know, the reporting of 185, whatever it's going to be officially until – the day before the league starts in March, you know, you got to be careful going out and giving big money to wide receivers. So, and by the way, for all the people that are thinking that Chris Godwin and and all these other guys may be available, we're going to find out sooner or later because I don't think they're going to and because they're going to franchise these guys. Yeah, and the way people talk with the cap, Jeff, and I realize we're late now, but now we're sure. on a good topic of conversation. Um the top of the market's not going to get affected that much by the dropping cap. The really no, good guys are still going to get paid or, to your point, get franchised. Mm-hmm. It's the rest of the guys that are going to take a hit on this stuff. That's right. That's right. And, and you know what? That's just the way the market always is. And no matter how much money there is in the market, the top guys always get it. The middle to the lower guys, they, you know, they're the bottom feeders. They just get what's left. You know, so and that's just that's just all about fact. That's just being a stud player. You, you, you get what you deserve, John. You get what you deserve. 
whether whatever it is. If you're a CEO of a company and you're switching companies, they're going to pay you because they're paying you for your services. And if you're good, you're going to get paid. And I agree with you. I don't think it's going to affect it to to the point where guys aren't getting paid because the cap is low. They're just not going to be a lot of – there's not going to be a, a frenzy as there normally is. Right, so. and, and they'll have more of those guys that are the Marcus Goldens and Logan Ryans, right, of the group this year yep. that have to wait uh, for the right team to come along so that they can get this. And you and I talked about this want. before. We're going to see a lot more June 1st designations this year to be able to, to take some of that cap and, and move it. Um, I think that this year than you are. Well, be a, there was none last year. There'll so. be a lot of June 1st cuts, man, a lot yep. of June 1st cuts because people are assuming the cap's going to go up next year. So you just push the money, and you know me. We don't. I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't like pushing the money down the road. I like taking my pain now and having my future, you know, sure. clean. But yeah. this is a situation where, with the cap dipping, and ho- hopefully not as much. They said it could be as much as one eighty-five now, based on reports, which is still, by the way, a significant drop, but not as much as we thought it could have been. Mm-hmm. But and, the, and you know what, you're going to see those June first because they're announced way in, way ahead of June first. So you're going to understand who course. those people are. Um, that will be available, you know, after June 1st to be able to sign them to. You can basically come to an agreement, I believe, with these June 1st guys, uh, because isn't that isn't that exactly what happens with? Uh, oh no, that's not what happened with the quarterback. That that's the. Um, no, but Jeff, you're right. You can you can designate anytime you release a player. Yeah. I think after the start of the league year. I'm not sure if it's before. I the think start it's of the after. Year. It's got to be after the start yeah, of the year because everything be. starts anew. Right. So I so, think you can designate them a June first cut. So then whatever dead money's on that guy's contract yeah. can get split between this year and next year. On yeah, the and that and that mm-hmm. player then becomes a free agent. Yep. And and he can go sign wherever. So. Now and also that guy becomes a street free agent, mm-hmm. not a unre- not not a technical, not someone you have to pay compensation for. Is my point. I see. I see. And, yeah. In terms of compensatory pay. A lot to get into that stuff later. But, yes, you know, we do. But we'll be we'll be at free agency before the draft, so we'll be talking about that a lot about what the Giants' needs and wants are, and you know where their cap is, and uh, we'll go from there. Jeff, good stuff, my friend. Thank you, John. And tomorrow, let's look at the schedule. Oh, you get Paul and Lance yelling at each other for sixty minutes. That'll be fun. Yep, they're with recapped. you tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. You might or, need two hour show there tomorrow for that. I'm sure they'll be bickering about something. Someone <laughs> called up, but they they they. They, they compared me to somebody, Jeff, standing at the, um, what is it, the 58th parallel? The one between North Korea and South Korea? Okay. 88th parallel? I don't know. I some parallel. I know that. It's some, uh, shoot, I have to look this up now. But they basically compared me to somebody, like, standing at that um, point. Juncture, yeah. And basically trying to, like, play the piece, the 38th parallel, sorry, um, and basically being the peacekeeper between... Uh, North Korea and South Korea. So, yeah, I'm not sure which one's the North Korea in that <laughs> in that conversation, but that's how a caller framed we'll, it. We'll, and frankly, we'll, I do feel that way sometimes. We will. Your new nickname is 30P for 30 30th parallel. 38. 30P. I got a yep. thir- 38P. Okay. 38P, baby. Yep, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, just as a reminder, folks, Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this program and all our shows at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. And Big Blue Kickoff Live was presented by the New York Lottery, the new X series of scratch-offs from the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. For Jeff Fegels, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by New York Lottery. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe.